The following is a For Vengeance Media production. we love is undergoing a shift. What a beauty! Borders are breaking down. Some might say disappearing. Huge goal. And the freedom to choose is gaining momentum. JPHL Through it all, players are better than ever at all levels. From youth hockey to the best junior leagues and the highest level, the game is reaching new heights. Presented by Four Vengeance Media. This is Game Changers, the home of hockey. On Silent Ice TV. Final episode of 2023. This is Game Changers, home of hockey. My name is Dean Millard, and it is awesome to have you aboard for our heading into the holiday break episode, recapping um, the season uh, for a few different things, and just having a really, really great conversation. On the show today, we're going to get right into it. We have some fun chats scheduled for you. We're going to dive into our Pond to the Pros and Junior Life segments, as well as our Future Files, all kind of rolled into both of our guests. Brad Lazarowicz, 30 years spent as a Lions person in the National Hockey League, and one of the coolest uh, events he was around was the 03 Stanley Cup. Game 7 and Game 6 in particular. You remember that Paul Correa gets smoked by Stevens, comes back and scores moment. Yeah, we're going to chat with Brad about that and a whole lot more, what he has going with the BCHL, how independent hockey is going, and the involvement in the JPHL. You will not want to miss Brad's um, opinion on a few things in in particular. And uh, my good friend, Brandon Iwan Cheshin, and the president of Four Vengeance Media, also the voice of the Spruce Grove Saints. When this show comes out, on the day it comes out, uh, the night before the Saints pulled off a big, big victory against the Black Falls Bulldogs, uh, Brandon will join us. We're going to chat about huge news in Spruce Grove for the city, for the Saints, for the fans, and for hockey as well as what the Saints can expect in the second half and the recap of an amazing, just spectacular weekend of the Winter Championships in Edmonton for the JPHL wrapping up. Man, was that amazing. But let's get into it. Our first guest is a 30-year linesman. In the NHL, uh, he had a terrific career and now is helping to shape future stars and officials in the BCHL, the British Columbia Hockey League. Brad Lazarowicz joining us on Game Changers now. 
Brad, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure to chat with you on Sunday. Uh, the, we didn't have as much time, so I thought uh, mm -hmm. today would be great. We can. Uh, I'd like to dive into your career a little bit as well. Um, but let's just talk about uh, how you ended up in the British Columbia Hockey League after a very long and successful career officiating in the NHL. Yeah, so I spent 30 years on the ice in the NHL, got hired in 1986, left in 16. Uh, before I left the NHL, I was looking for um, something, uh, you know, to to do where I wanted to get back into mentoring and working with young officials. Uh, the BC Hockey League obviously is right in my backyard. I came through the BC Hockey League to start my career, uh, enjoyed it immensely, and, uh, you know, started to working with the program around 14. Uh, left the ice in 16, got a little bit more involved in the last three or four years now. I've got a lot, you know, uh, more involved with our coaches, uh, general managers, governors, and obviously our officials. Yeah, and it's I love that you're uh, still involved in the game, uh, Mike Civic as well with the JPHL after a long officiating career, and and I love that um, you know continuing obviously a passion for hockey, but also uh, a passion for helping the next generation. And we saw a lot of the next generation on Sunday at the Winter Championship for the JPHL. What were your thoughts on uh, the event, in particular uh, the action that we saw on Sunday, as well as the Challenge Cup that was going on on the other side of the rink? It was so busy there that I barely even yeah. got over to that other side. But your thoughts on the overall event? Oh, I mean, impressive, right? I mean, that building that they put up there is, 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 um, is it's so beautiful. Uh, I mean, great facility. You know, I mean, both rinks, uh, I mean, the hockey was, you know, was really great to watch from an officiating standpoint. You know, it was really nice to get four of our BCHL officials, you know, up into Edmonton this weekend um, and to work with their program. I, I was really, uh, very much impressed with the JPHL officials that they had come in. I think Mike and Scott former are doing a great job in the program. But yeah, I mean, really just super impressed with, with everything, the professionalism that Richard Nault has brought to the JPHL. I mean, the production that you guys put on is second to none and um, looking forward to coming back up there again in the future. Yeah, we had so much fun um, and, and it was really neat uh, to have the BCHL officials. I mean, this is, you know, our producer that would go down to lineup interviews even during the week the feedback from the trainers, the coaches was, it's so nice to have these BCHL officials. And then uh, they said to me, Oh wow. Now I know that the difference and it was so neat to have that aspect and have that feedback right from the benches. What was the feedback from the officials that came and were able to work the games? Well, very excited to be up here. You know, earlier on this year, we brought up six officials into a showcase event uh, and they very much enjoyed it. Uh, these officials had nothing but positive, you know, feedback to me uh, and to the JPHL and to the program up here. You know, the one thing in the BC Hockey League that I do stress is professionalism on and on the off the ice. Um, you know, we we we, 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 sorry, we really do try to, you know, work on not just what they're doing on the ice, but acting as, you know, you know, ambassadors to the game off the ice. And I thought that on both aspects uh, that our four officials, Ben Fast, Owen Lomar, Jordy Wood, um, and did a great job, uh, including, um, uh, I, got the, I forgot the last name. Anyways, they, they all did a great job. 
Yeah, I think it was it was fantastic, and and I wonder also if uh, maybe this was a chance for not only the BCHL officials to to work and and give back and and mentor some some of the uh, JPHL officials and some of the younger ones, but maybe for you guys to evaluate future officials as well as you know we're we're always talking about scouting the next generation of players you know on our end we're scouting the next generation of broadcasters and i'm sure you're always on the lookout for the next generation of officials that could step into the bchl as well you'll be are, and i forgot it was adam bearish who was also up there i right. deal with so many officials all the time that <laughs> yeah. I forgot. sorry adam uh, you know we always are i mean you know it's about development right and development starts at a very young age whether it's playing or officiating um you know you want to get them into different levels and so they can feel out what, you know, the, the, the different importance of every game. I think, you know, having officials work in Championship Sunday is another ceiling for them to get to where the games matter a lot and there's a lot on the stake. And I thought all officials all during the week at, you know, BCHL officials and JPHL officials did a great job, handled themselves extremely professionally. And I was very, you know, very pleasant to see what they did. Very happy. Yeah. I agree, and and I thought um, you know we're we're all about development. This entire uh, you know hockey ecosystem you know that we have. I can speak from you know the group under the Silent Ice umbrella is development, development players, broadcasters, officials, off ice officials. Um, so it, sure. it's really really exciting. And as you mentioned, we have that beautiful facility at Silent Ice to use now at the Silent Ice Center. Um, do you think you could see a BCHL showcase? in Alberta, similar to how you guys moved it to Seattle this past year? Yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I think now that we're independent and that we have the opportunity to, you know, do different things with the BC Hockey League, um, having it down in Seattle was a huge success, you know? Like, like I mentioned to you on the call, on the on the broadcast on Sunday, you know, having, you know, 95% of all Division One schools there, having every NHL team represented, every scout from every team was there. So that was a great thing for us. Um, I believe that the BC, BCHL has a, you know, has a great opportunity, is a great opportunity to take its events to different locations and to showcase our skills, showcase our player skill sets. Uh, I totally agree. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really glad we are where we are at this point in the season and things are going I think extremely well. I've heard nothing but good things about what is happening in the BCHL this year. And as you know, there were a lot of, I call them boogeyman stories before the season about going the independent route, just like there have been about going the independent route for the JPHL. And that's from officials to players to everything. And I think that it is exactly that boogeyman stories, because from what I've heard that transition to independent hockey for you guys, uh, it's been, it's you know, haven't just lost a step, you've maybe gained a step. Oh, I, I think immensely. You know, you talked to a lot of our scouts who come out to our games, and whether they're NHL scouts or college scouts or college coaches, you know, everybody's saying our game's about 20 25% better. Uh, I think it's been seamless, Dean, to be quite honest. Um, you know, we have good governance, good good leadership with Steve Cocker and Chris Hebb and our board of directors. Um, you know, we, we adopted the NCAA rulebook. We have 57 really good officials who came on board and, you know, were loyal to our program and, you know, have the, you know devoted their time and effort to our league this year and traveled a lot more, learned a lot more of you know, getting a lot, a lot of games at this level. The NHL has been involved with us, you know, off the ice with our supervisions. You know, we have Kelly Sellerland, Jay Shares and Shane Heyer 
Um, you know, Kelly's still on the ice, and Shane and Jay are both officiating managers in the National Hockey League who've worked with our program this year. Um, you know, from a league perspective, it's been seamless. I, I, I agree with you that our product is much better. We have more of our kids now are committed to the uh, division double uh, NCAA Division One than in our history. You know, and this and the seasons are only in December, and so I see nothing but the bright side for the BC Hockey League moving forward. Yeah, and, and you know, the BCHL, the British Columbia Hockey League, has put itself on another level where you are now competing with uh, what is, I guess, called Tier 1, the Western Hockey League, in in terms of players. And, you know, people were saying, well, you're not going to get officials, you're not going to get coaches, and that didn't happen. And then what started happening is, well, if you're going to go there, you're going to be suspended. And the word inclusivity used is used a lot in the game today. I can tell yeah. you honestly, from working uh, with the JP, PHL, there's no suspensions if you work in the JPHL and you go to another league. But that is happening um, on the other side. So the word inclusivity gets used a lot, but not from the side I am on. I don't see any um, people being barred from leagues if they're involved in another one. And, and, and I just get frustrated at a lot of things that happen. The insurance uh, comparisons that were made. I mean, there was a lot of ludicrous things, in my opinion, that were happening in the offseason yep. and into the season and it's the adults unfortunately getting in the way of the kids in my opinion well that's true you know and i mean it, when we first we came independent back in may um uh, hockey canada supervisor had text out to a bunch of bchl officials that they were going to be blacklisted and they were going to be watched to see if they were going to work in the bc hockey league you know we have all those text messages someone actually sent those believe it or not um you know there's a lot of threats that are made to our officials you know, if they work for us, you couldn't work a U17, U18 program. There's no such thing as inclusion in, the, in, in Hockey Canada. If Hockey Canada, I mean, they're, they're, the, they're the parent of hockey in Canada, and yet, you know, inclusion does not, uh, it does not uh, matter when it comes to what they want it to matter for, right? I mean, they, they, you know, they look at us and say, well, you guys are, you know, non-sanctioned, which I have no idea what non-sanctioned means. The NCAA is an is a independent body of hockey. The, end, you know, the NCAA is independent, right? Uh, you know, we use their rule book. Um, and so when you talk about inclusion, inclusion should mean that no matter what you want to do in the game of hockey, you can be involved in the game of hockey at all levels. But Hockey Canada will say, well, you don't have governance. We have governance. You don't have a rule book. We have a rule book. You don't have insurance. We have insurance. So, I mean, what, I, I really believe that the future of, of junior hockey in Canada will be independent hockey. Because, you know, they'll want, if I'm an owner at a different level of hockey and junior hockey in, in our province here in BC or across the country, I want to be at an equal playing field with everybody else. And the, and the more leagues that become independent, that's not going to happen because Hockey Canada will put those restrictions on you, you know. And so I look at what we're trying to do out here and, and we're trying to do what's best for our players. You know, you, you want players to be able to go to a model, to go to a league where they can develop their skills, show off their skills in front of people that they want to move on to another level to, whether it's the NCAA or pro hockey. Mm -hmm. Well, you want to be best on best when you have those skill sets with these with, with these players, you know. And so our league now is saying, listen, you know, we want our players to stay in Canada, you know, play in the BC Hockey League, um, develop in a program where we have great ownership group, great buildings to play in great officials that are going to work the game to keep it safe and, and move forward that way. 
Yeah, the, the insurance thing makes me laugh the biggest and, and laugh in a way where then I get angry because it's so silly. I don't, I'd love to meet the parent who allows their child to go into any organized sport without insurance because it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like that's, that's the most ridiculous thing. Um, and, and I, you know, I've talked to other people in other provinces uh, out in Ontario about, you know, this happening, independent hockey growing at the youth level and possibly at the junior level. And, and I think it, it's going to happen. And I, you know, I know we've had the conversation where, um, you know, it's, it could happen in this province. It could happen, you know, all the way through the West and, and it could be leagues or, yeah. or teams. And the sky's the limit. Maybe there's one super league. Maybe the regions are separate. I'm, you know, we haven't even got there yet. But I'm just saying there are a yeah. lot of options if teams or entire leagues want to go. It doesn't have to be all or one in that situation. And you know, you can do a lot of different things with different regions and different leagues of independent hockey. We've yeah. seen that with Challenge Cups at the youth level. Sure. You know, and and that's the thing about when you're independent you're you're allowed this ability to move and to you know to change which hockey canada has a hard problem with change right um mm -hmm. but i think when you look at leadership the group that we have you know and what they want to do you know with moving forward they have some really great ideas um i think having our you know up in, at the jphl event at, at the winter show at the winter championships this week in edmonton we had a booth set up you know, where parents could come by and see our BCHL booth. Sean Robertson rep represented us very well in the in the booth and did a great job of talking to parents. And, you know, it's really interesting when you sit and talk to parents that didn't even realize that, you know, if you play junior B hockey in B BC, you can't affiliate with a junior A franchise like one of our franchises. But if you're in the JPHL, you can. And as you can, as you know, we had players uh, from the Okanagan Warriors. One player played up in Kelowna, one player uh, West Kelowna, one player played in Vernon. And so it just goes to show that that model works. Um, I think the JPHL has done a great job of, of you know, getting more teams out in out in BC. It's, it's only going to get bigger, and you know, we're looking forward to that growth. As mentioned, you guys had a showcase uh, in Seattle, and we, we talked about uh, possibly future showcases. What about the future of getting back into uh, into Washington or the United States in general? You know, it's a great market down there, right? I mean, Seattle would be an awesome market for the BC Hockey League. Uh, we did, a, you know, our deal to come down was with the Seattle Kraken. You know, we used their practice facility. They had a beautiful building there to use. I, I think, Dean, that's always something that the BC Hockey is going to be looking at, you know, whether it's expansion within our province or wherever we decide to go. But I think that's a great market down there, and I believe I believe that we'll always keep an eye on it. Uh, and, and, you, and that's, um, I think... Um expansion or whatever it might be growth is uh, the first thing that has to come with it is responsible and is it good for the overall league is it good for the players uh, there are a lot of leagues out there that uh, expand too fast and the product gets watered down and you know it's it's unfortunately yeah. it becomes a money issue then as well we can make more money if we have more teams but is that necessarily better for the and I'm talking at the at the youth level expansion at the junior level is is much less I think uh, about that but I think what is very cool is the pride of the development you mentioned it uh, whether it's to the NCAA or straight NHL draft picks I mean the the junior uh, progress that you guys have in helping players to the next level uh is first and foremost why you're doing it and you're very successful yeah. out of it is that uh, uh the biggest source of pride uh, for you I, I think so i mean you know we are 
we are a NCAA path. We are the number one NCAA path in Canada by far. I mean, no one can compete with what we do in the BC Hockey League. Um, the USHL does a great job in the States. There's 17 teams spread out in America, down in America that did, did an awesome job as well. But, you know, we want to be able to keep our players, uh, move them on to the NCAA. Yeah, I mean, last year, obviously, with Bradley and Adol that got drafted, you know, in the first round, it's great for our league. Uh, it's always nice to have those players. And I truly believe that, you know, with with our, you know, you know, moving towards some younger players and having players that want to play here that come from different parts of Canada, that that number will increase. Uh, obviously, with our path to the NCAA, it's, it's great. I, I, like I said to you on Sunday, I really, if I'm a parent, I have no idea why I'm not looking out at BC of where I want to send, you know, my, you know, my son to want to play hockey in BC because it's, it's such a direct path and uh, you know to the NCAA and our scouts you know can come out to watch all you got to do is look at a lineup you know put out put a lineup out there right now you know we don't play we're dark right now to the end of the month but put out one of our lineups I don't know Nanaimo Penticton look 12 12 or 13 14 kids on Nanaimo are going to go NCAA already Penticton's loaded with NCAA kids our, our, our all our teams are doing very well. like I said we're already at our past a record number of NCAA commits why would you not want to play in a league that scouts are going to be at to for that purpose you know and then you know and on officiating side last year you know Grady Hamilton we had a referee from our league get hired to the National Hockey League he's living out of Seattle he's working the American hockey but he's a full contracted guy and his last game with was in amateur hockey was Alberni Penticton in our finals we're very proud of Grady Hamilton and you know we're very proud of officials that we send to the NHL combine and we'll, and we'll send more officials to the NHL combine this year in Buffalo in August because I have such a great relationship with the National Hockey League I spent six years off the ice working with them as an officiating manager um, like I think I told you on Sunday, El Kimmel's coming out to our pro top prospects game in January. El Kimmel is in charge of, of, of the development in the National Hockey League. So these relationships, you know, for myself and other, you know, they go a long way. And looking forward to, you know, growing our game and growing our independence. And like I said, you know, you know, yeah, well, you, you got it. You nailed it. I mean, earlier in the season, earlier in May, June, July, it was it was all this, you know, threats and, and you know, you're not, you're not going to get officials and, um, I could go on and on and on. It still goes on today, believe it or not. It still goes on where, you know, officials are worried about giving up this and giving up that. But I truly believe that more officials will look at our program in the future and, and say, well, why am I not in the BC Hockey League? Why am I not trying to take that path on to where I want to go and, and try different things? And so I, I think that we've done a great job out here, you know, and I'm just looking forward to, you know, moving forward with it. Uh, I mentioned uh, Mike Civic, and you mentioned Scott Fulmer. Um, you know, the the next generation, and, and you yourself uh, helping to to shape the next generation. What would be advice uh, for either a young official, or you know, not even a young person, but somebody just interested in? Hey, I might want to get involved. I used to play hockey. I'm a pretty good skater. Uh, you know, I want to give officiating a, a chance. What, what would your advice be for you know the next generation? Reach out to me in the BC Hockey League. My name and number and our email address is, is on our website in the BC Hockey League. For one thing, um, I feel that uh, if you want to take up officiating, we always look at ex-players. I think that's a great you know, thing to look at. They can skate, they're fit, you know, they have, they understand the game. But we're also looking for young 13, 14-year-olds that start officiating, you know, male or female. Right. Uh, officiating has no boundaries that way. And, and, you know, we did have a really good uh, female program in our league. However, because of the restrictions from Hockey Canada and Hockey BC, we, we lost five of our female officials. 
you know, to their policies. They couldn't, they couldn't work for us anymore. Uh, Colleen Getty stayed on with us and she does an outstanding job. But I think it's about getting into hockey, you know, getting to some officiating camps um, and, and then reaching out to different levels that you like to work. And I listen, I think the HS model, the HSL model and the JPHL model has done a great job, you know, in Alberta and, and now obviously more expansion out in BC. Uh, and then now you have the BC Hockey League to, to a goal to obtain. You know to get to and you know and, and our model allows you to you know work a, a really good solid foundation of hockey and then using the resources that i have i can try to help you get to wherever you want to go beyond that yeah i think it's so cool not only do some jphl players as you mentioned have the ability to get called up and that's happened uh, countless times and then you know coquitlam has their uh, same system for the u18 as their bchl so that's seamless but officials yeah. at the same time get to make that transition as well so i i think it's it's such a cool model uh, i love talking to guys uh, that uh, you know uh, w- w- did their craft at the highest level and and with an official like you i want to know who are some of the the smart smart players that could have or coaches uh, that could have an intelligent conversation about a heated topic? I mean, I could ask you about the hothead conversations that you have, but I'm interested in the guys that you know a serious situation can sit there and and either listen or have an intelligent conversation. You might not ever change their mind, but they might yeah. re- at least respect your opinion about what you have to say. You know, I, I was very fortunate to work in it, and then and then and there's a great era right now. There's this is there's a lot of great players in the National Hockey League as well. You know, I worked when Steve Eisenman uh, was on the ice and Joe Sakic, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux. I could go on and on. These these professionals were great to deal with on and off the ice. Um, you know, I worked a lot of playoff games. I had 204 playoff games. I did three Stanley Cup Finals, um, and so you know, in those moments, you're you're challenged quite a bit. Uh, with you know different scenarios and situations uh, dealing with great captains and players uh, they respected what we did obviously I respected what they did at the end of the day you know we're both professionals and we had jobs to do um, and they respected the fact that what I had was a job you know and um, I think it was just it was, it was I mean what a great what a, you know what a great place to go do your work every night <laughs> but um, I think there was there's challenges all the time I just felt like if you treat them like professionals, you'll be treated like professional back. And I was very much one that respected what they did. I mean, I, you know, I lasted 30 years. Mike lasted 30 years. You don't last that long just by fluke, you know. Um, right. And, you know, I was very fortunate to work finals. I had a game seven in the Stanley Cup finals, which was a great experience, you know. And so I, I just think that what I'm trying to do now is, is to give back as much as I possibly can. You know, and, and that to me, being a mentor and giving back and teaching is really what it's all about. I, I hope I'm remembered more for what I did in the BC Hockey League and now with the JPHL and the programs that we're going to work together with than, than my 30-year career on the ice. Because, you know, what you want to be able to leave is is, uh, is, a, is a legacy of some kind with the officials you're dealing with and working with, right, Dean, where they can continue on that down the road. Now, they're not all going to make it to the NHL. I get that. But... You know, they're going to be, you know, you know, human beings, you know, and they're going to grow up in societies. They're going to become dentists and lawyers and doctors and, you know, and mechanics and everything else. And so, you know, what we do is just, you know, turn them into, you know, young individuals to mature on off the ice. And and the four we had up there, like I said, with, you know, with, with Adam, Owen, you know, and Jordy and Ben, and they did such a great job representing the BC Hockey League on and off the ice. 
Yeah, it's no different with players. Uh, they're not all yeah. going to the NHL. In fact, no. you know, maybe none of them every year could. It's such a small amount. Same with officials, right? There's Correct. And there's a lot less officials in each game uh, than there is players. So you're developing good people. We do uh, interviews with these players all the time, so they develop communication yep. skills. You can't be an official these days. Well, you could never be an official ever without communication yep. skills. You have to be able to skate and be able to have uh, an intelligent uh, conversation. You mentioned Game 7. That was New Jersey-Anaheim, right? That is correct. Yeah. What do you In remember about that? Um, well, you know, funny. what's funny about that is everybody always asks me, were you nervous, right? And that year, in that 03 season, I had worked a, a game seven in every round. So the first round, I worked a seven, second round a seven, third round a seven. And so when you got to that final game, I did six. I did the game where Paul Korea got knocked out by Scott Stevens and then came wow. back and scored the winning goal. And then we moved off to Jersey for seven. You know, Dean, honestly, you, it, it, you're so focused, just like players are so focused, that you don't think about it being – obviously you know it's a big game you know you're not naive but you don't think about the pressure you just go out there and do your job you're one of four of, of working together as a team i work with brian murphy a linesman who's an outstanding linesman just got inducted into the usa hockey hall of fame and murph and i had worked so many games together that season that we were so we were clicking you know and so i didn't worry about him across the ice and what he was doing and he wasn't worrying about me um it's just a great experience, you know. I mean, to work at Game Seven, you know that that night there's no more assignments, there's no more road trips. There's someone that night's getting the cup handed to them, you know. Um, and it was pretty, it was pretty cool, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, every call you're making could have an impact because so, it's, there's there's no yeah. more games. And I mean, that moment that you described is. That is the one of the most iconic moments, and with the camera angles that we have and the up close, and then Korea coming back. I mean, that yeah. is a moment that I, that, that, that it's just like that everybody kind of remembers uh, where they were kind of when they were watching. That is, you know, as far as the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, and then the to go that wasn't even the it. Like there was then it it increased, and you talk about those teams, and we talk about players that can have intelligent conversations. Well, I'm sure Martin Brodeur and Niedermeyer and, and Paul oh, Korea sure. on the other side. Those are the guys that that you probably remember being able to have an intelligent yep. conversation about a heated topic without going Neanderthal. Well, you know, Scott Niedermeyer, both his or his sons played in Penticton, right, in the BC right. Hockey League. And, you know, when we were in COVID and, and, and during COVID in the BC Hockey League, I actually played in bubble scenarios. And so I went up to Penticton a number of times to watch our teams play. And I sat with Scott many times and we would go over the games that we worked together. I worked on when he was on the ice. And I mean, what a great player, obviously, when Scott Niedermeyer. But, you know, I mean, there was a guy who was a true professional. You could you, you could talk to him on and off the ice, like I said. And there was many players like that, you know, you know. Sure, well, there are some coaches and players that were heated, absolutely, but you know, they're just defending their job and their positions. Um, but you know, sitting with Scott and you know, for game on end and just talking about the games and talking about where the hockey world is going, it was it was great, you know, great for me to listen to someone like that, obviously, with all his experience. But I mean, you know, like I said, now my big role really is 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 really just mentoring and putting together a team of officials that are going to represent the BC Hockey League. We're always welcome to other officials that want to come in and work the BC Hockey League. You mentioned the JPHL. You know, this year I already had set my staff, but next year we'll use the JPHL as a recruiting model for us to come up and down, kind of like our minor leagues, you know, if you want to say. And so, you know, it's, 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 it'll be a great opportunity for young officials who are in the JPHL model to come up, work in the BC Hockey League, um, 
our BCHL officials will go to different showcase events and winter championships to give back. And it's just going to be a great partnership. All right. Let's uh, end on some thoughts on this. Your final game uh, in Winnipeg, and they don't call it friendly Manitoba for nothing. The players were all there. The fans were standing up. I mean, this is, I I know being remembered for what you're going to do for the future is, is one thing, but this is also shows you how you remember, because listen, the first thing the players are going to complain about is officials in any kind of offseason. Well, this call, this guy always gave us this. or whatever. To last 30 years and get this reaction in your career shows that you were doing something right and the respect was there. I mean, that that's ultimately what you want when you're finished, isn't it? Oh, I mean, this is a moment you never forget, right, Dean? There's a, there's a picture I've kept. Um, I, could, I could sort of send it to you. There's a picture I've kept, though. Just before I leave the ice, I'm kind of standing – in Winnipeg, at the end, we, we, oh, where we stand to get off, um, I, I stood there for another probably a minute, and I was just choking back the tears, right? Because I just knew that uh, once you leave the ice, you're not going back. And so there's this picture that was taken, and it was sent to me. Um, and so this was a great moment. I, I really do appreciate the players taking that moment to come by and just shake my hand and wish me all the best. And, you know, that, that night, you know, um, uh, you know, people came in the room and, and talked to me after the game and stuff. And actually, I work with Wes McCauley, who's John McCauley. His dad hired me, you wow. know, and so wow. that was great at that time. Um, and, you know, I had to work to work with Wes. Uh, we're very fortunate in our game. You get to pick your last game. So the reason I picked Winnipeg is I, that's where my, that was my first game was back oh. in 1986. So, I, so when Winnipeg came back in the league, it was kind of like, well, I can go full circle here, you know. And so... It was great, and, and you know Mark Chipman, who's one of the you know like the governor for uh, for Winnipeg, he came in the room and presented me with a plaque with pictures that were actually taken at that game, and put on a plaque and done for me during the game and, and presented to me at the end in the room. So that was very very special to me. Um, but yeah, I mean you know you you look back at your career and you, you think about all the great times. Mike Civic and I worked countless games together. We came through together in the junior hockey. You know mm. we came through together in 1982 you know, 83, and then we both got hired in the NHL in the 80s. So we spent a lot of time together on the road, a lot of time on the ice together. He's a big man, and did a, he did a great job. But now, like I said, you know, Dean, I appreciate the time you're giving me today. I told you on Sunday, I'll ask any, you can ask any tough question you want, and I'll answer it the best I can. Um, I think that being honest and transparent is the only way to go, you know. Um, and, like, I look forward to our future. I look forward to working with you guys in the JPHL. I look forward to go back up to Edmonton and Winter Championships again. Um, I thought it was amazing. What you guys did there was amazing, your broadcast and the professionalism. It was, it was great, and I just cannot wait to, to get more involved. Well, thank you. I lied. I have one more. You you mentioned that's your first game in Winnipeg. So I grew up in Brandon. I spent countless times at the Winnipeg Arena. Um, what do you remember about the referee area? And, and, and what are your memories about the old Winnipeg Arena? Because I remember the steep stairs, the Queen, obviously, yep. the bathrooms and all that stuff. Well, I remember the, the the old arena was a cooler rink, right? I mean, it was it was a hockey rink for sure. Yeah. You know, the fans were very, the Winnipeg fans are very loyal fans. These were hockey, inbreded hockey fans. Like these these people know hockey, right? And so if you make a mistake on the ice, if you, you know, whether it's a penalty call or an offside or an ice, and they're gonna they're gonna tell you very quickly what they think about that call. Uh, I, I you know the old building was was cool. It was, it was one of those old buildings. I got to work in all the old buildings. I got to work in old Chicago, old Montreal, old Boston. I mean, you think about old St. Louis. I worked in them all, you know. And so, 
you know, it was just a great building to work in. Our referee room was right around the corner. We came on the ice and uh, one night Daryl Sutter kicked the door in, you know, and he was coaching. So, um, you know, th- those days are kind of over now, but I mean, I could go on. I got a million. If you ever do another podcast, I could do a million stories and stuff that happened on and off the ice. We had a lot of fun and, and, but just a great building. And Winnipeg is a great hockey city. You know, that's why I wanted to go back. When I saw that they had come back in the league, obviously, and I was working, I couldn't wait. And my boss was like, absolutely, you know, if you want your final game there. And people all say, well, why would you not have it in Vancouver? Why would you not have it close to home? But I went full circle. You know, I got hired there in 86. I finished there in 16. To me, it was a perfect ending, you know, to a 30-year career that I – I can I can never not thank the National Hockey League, Gary Bettman and Bill Daly and um, you know and, and I had great bosses and and I just look forward to our future and that's why I think I get frustrated, Dean, is because our future is bright, which is great, but then I see what Hockey Canada and Hockey BC are trying to do to us and what they try with you guys back when you guys got started a few years ago, you know, with Hockey Canada and I just yeah. I just shake my head, you know, hot. They don't own hockey. Nobody owns this great game, you know, and if it wasn't for this great game, most of us wouldn't have jobs then. Right. And so we, we should protect the game, be very careful and protect the game. What we do is a service to this game. And, and I think that's where Hockey Canada and BC have lost that completely. They don't understand that. Well said, Brad. And definitely we're going to get you back on and uh, dive into some more stories and, and the, more about the development. So thank you so much. Have a wonderful holiday season and we'll uh, see you in 2024. Thank you, Dean. All the best to you and happy holidays. On the junior path, the Spruce Grove Saints on the holiday break. They will next be back in action December 30th at Grant Fear Arena against the same team they defeated heading into the break, Blackfold Bulldogs. And that'll wrap up the season series. Two games of Black Falls, two games at Grant Fear Arena. That's it. All done before 2024. You can check out uh, more and get more information, tickets, etc. SpruceGrowSaints.ca. Meanwhile, the Seattle Thunderbirds, they're off until December 28th when they take on the Portland Winterhawks. So both teams getting some much-needed rest and enjoyment heading into the holiday break. Well, we had a ton of fun over the past weekend uh, for the JPHL's Winter Championship. And we wrapped up a massive Sunday with four gold medal games as well as the Challenge Cup. Brandon Ewan Cheshin of Four Vengeance Media, our president, joins me next as we celebrate the year that has been 2023 in hockey. Well, Brandon, it's uh, hard to believe uh, this Friday will be six months since I came on board to Four Vengeance Media, and man, has it been a wild six months that we have had, (laughs) and the great news continues as on this day, a big announcement for the Spruce Grove Saints and the city of Spruce Grove. Yeah, it was so exciting today to get to go to the press conference mm. just, what, five minutes from here at the new Civic Center site uh, located basically on Century Road and uh, the Yellowhead Highway. But basically, the Coles Notes version, the city and the Saints ownership group agreeing that the Saints will play at the brand new Civic Center at the Spectator Rink inside the Civic Center, hopefully in just over a year from now. The building mm. started construction last year, during 2022 it's underway right now they've had great weather to work with we talked to the site supervisor today he's been 
just blown away by how nice the weather is. So have you and I, to be honest. It doesn't feel like Christmas because there's no snow yeah. on the ground. Um, but back to the matter at hand, it should be done early 2025. And as a result, this is now the farewell season for Spruce Grove in this building, which you said it on the show tonight, and it was maybe a bit of a bittersweet moment yeah. for Tyler and I because we were like, hold on a second. It's kind of this just is the setting last, in, right? Yeah, this is the last full season in the barn is last year it'd be a midway move mm-hmm. or next year sorry it'd be a midway move so yeah great news for the city great news for the saints there was a lot of rumors out there that yeah. are the saints going to move to Nisku and silent Ice center no they're not they're staying here in spruce grove and they will be for a long time yeah nice to be able to put that to bed because every time we posted something about how beautiful Silent Eye Center is. The comments on social media came out about oh, when are the Saints moving there? And no matter how many times we told people they weren't, uh, people weren't believing it. And now we're going to see um, yet another um, inspiration from Dan and Lindsay LaCelt. I mean, we've been <laughs> so lucky to use Silent Eye Center as our home base for the JPHL and the Challenge Cups, and they're going to be able to put their finishing touches on what the Saints are going to need in this new arena, and they'll be responsible for putting all the Saints stuff together, meaning they can do it exactly how they want it. Exactly, and not exactly the same as Silent Ice Center in that regard, but basically along the same lines where you talked to Stephen Gertzett on Sunday, and he said it was a building designed by hockey players, and that's exactly what it is. They thought of everything in every angle and every faucet of that building from broadcasting to where the Zamboni goes, mm-hmm. to where the pro rooms go, to the flex rooms they have adjacent to the real dressing rooms for coaches and female athletes. It's so well thought out. And for this one here, it's a beautiful building as well. There's going to be a low section. There'll be a half bowl, I believe. I haven't seen the final plans. I've seen renderings of the early initial ones. But the media box for us moves to center mm-hmm. ice, which is fantastic. Uh, the netting is coming down as well, which is a big thing of mine, especially uh, along the lengths of the ice. But yeah, the Saints get to design and they're responsible for their own dressing room. We're responsible for a little bit of the media stuff. The city is doing a wicked job in helping us out with mm-hmm. the runs and the cabling and the video wires and the audio wires, the video board, the audio system. Stuff that nobody sees when it's going yeah, right. Exactly, you know what? Exactly. It's like that's the perfect stuff. They actually took the time to ask if we wanted a head end basically for a TV truck. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't know if we need to go that far, but the fact that they're thinking about it is just showing how well they're planning this facility out. So very excited. It's only five minutes from here. And boy, are we going to have or ever have a lot of toys. We have Salonite Center yeah. in Nisku. And we're going to have the Civic Center in Spruce Grove. And both brand new barns for us to go and showcase what we can do. I drive past that corner on the way here all the time. So I can't wait. And, and really, I mean... You know, we've broadcast from some interesting arenas. Uh, you know, down in Calgary, there's <laughs> never a person who's ever looked through a camera that designed that arena. Now arenas are being designed with what we do in mind. More yeah. and more arenas are being built with streaming in mind because it is so popular. Parents want to see the games when they can't be there. Kids want to rewatch their games. I love that arenas are being designed with this in mind. Obviously, the live aspect is important, but so is what we are doing and then other companies. And uh, you know, I'm biased. I think we're doing it the best, and we're going to be able to do that in so many more arenas that they're building. It's such a great thing for the game of hockey. Yeah, and I mean, just look at what we were able to put together this past Sunday. It was yeah. elite. Um, Mark Corona, one of our executives, often compares us to the Little League World Series, the yeah. job that ESPN does. And he said, that on Sunday was your guys' Little League World Series. He actually joked with me yesterday, he came up to me and said, I don't know if 
you knew that I was watching, or maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but you did 15 camera cuts at the start of the second period before the puck even dropped. And yeah, ESPN did a little bit more, but sure. hey, they have a 26-man yeah. truck sitting behind the diamond. Uh, but nonetheless, it was impressive what we put together. And back to your point to the new arena, we've got to design the bulkheads, camera positions, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Wilk back between the benches, yeah. uh, and everything like that. And just while we're on the air, I'd like to take a chance to just shout out J.J. Hebert and the job that he's done mm-hmm. with the city. He was a big part of Rogers' place with OEG for Brexel to Rogers, and now he's a big part of this one as well. And the endless effort he's put together with our group and the city to make the two sides come together and agree has been a bit of a monumental task at times. So congratulations to him and the job he did, and congratulations to everybody really to solidify the future of this team in this city. Well, how about the uh, current of this team? And speaking of effort, what they did on Tuesday night and knocking off one of the top teams in the league, it really seemed like a team effort. And um, I don't know if there's a, a, you know, a magic pill out there for this team or if it's going to be a total team effort. Maybe that's been different in past, but you guys talk about it. The second half is always big for this team. And this victory tonight going into the break, not the last game of the year, 2023, but a huge game for this team. Yeah, I mean, let's call it the unofficial first half. Sure. Uh, basically, as Tyler Wolk would say, and it was a monumental win. I mean, it's a third-place team in the league, a team that has beaten you two games before mm-hmm. in their own barn. First trip here to Spruce Grove, you're playing against two former teammates in Hunter Brown Cody Pizarczyk. They also got the third-ranked power play right. and the best scorer, yeah. the top scorer in the league in Brendan Ross, who's well over 55 points. And they also got two guys back that just won a gold medal last weekend at the World Junior A Challenge. So, yeah, a lot of firepower, to say the least, on that side. They come in here, and I'll credit the coaching staff, like we said in the post-game show. The pre-scout and the execution mm-hmm. by the players tonight was probably the best we've seen all season. Yeah, From I thought the, the penalty kill was Oh, it was, it was un- unbelievable. Uh, nine power plays <laughs> for Black Falls, if you include the double minors as two, seven. Right. If you don't, they only get one. And the penalty kill, great. It was a definitely a big part of the win. The defending of Brendan mm-hmm. Ross and keeping him off the score clock for the most part was massive as well you look at the goaltending and ryan DeCook. i mean you've seen him for two years sure. now unbelievable rookie campaign the guy should win the rookie of the year for right sure. now yeah. in the ajhl he stops 29 tonight against one of the best teams in the league maybe one of the top teams in the country and a lot of those during the pk2 and they're not easy stops they're guys cross ice passes their tips their scrambles they're just tough to get there he gets there he does it so nicely he's cool calm collected and just calming back there in the crease but the other one that really stuck out for me tonight was offense finally the Saints put the puck in the net and it was Carter Oakenfold it was Kiefer Miller it was Grayson Niehaus scoring his mm. first in the league and Tristan Baumung after blocking 10 plus shots probably tonight yeah. got rewarded with a nice glass bounce like a, a golf ball getting a nice bounce the members bounce if That's you will right. off the glass down the ice in the empty net so he got rewarded as well but finally, Spruce Grove putting the puck in the net, holding a really good team to only one, yeah. and securing their second straight win here going into what is a massive break for them now, riding some momentum. And hey, they got them again here on December 30th. Blackfold's right back in this building in just over a week's time. So a break, but then right back to work for the second half. Yeah, it's like a tee shot off a tree that <laughs> yeah. goes off the pin and in the hole, right? It was like, a, but he was rewarded for it. You're right. Yeah. And um, it, 
DeCook, uh, you, you nailed it. He should be the rookie of the year. If he's not in the running, something is wrong. And I wonder if he got a little bit of boost seeing his old teammates last week. Lethbridge United yep. up here playing in this arena um, where he could have maybe watched them, hung out with them, got to see them. Um, I'm, I know Brylan Noble, Lethbridge's goalie, uh, had a chance to, to talk with Ryan and had a phenomenal game at, at the Winter Championship, uh, which is where we'll, we'll go next. And the yep. fact that we saw some future junior A players, some future uh, junior players, some fu- maybe possibly even at the pro level this past weekend. The hockey just gets better and better at the JPHL level. Yeah, it was outstanding. And just to go back to the two games here, Brady Magrill playing right. on his brother's ice surface, a left bridge playing on now Ryan DeCook's ice, ice surface as a whole. But I interviewed Brady after one of the periods and I joked, I said, how does it feel to have more goals than your brother on this <laughs> ice surface this year? And Jed kind of gave it to me a little bit today when he saw me for the first time but it's all fun and games yeah. at the end of the day and it's so cool to see guys from that league now progressing to the next level excelling at the next level ryan to cook a prime example of that but to the winter championships what a job by richard dalt the oh. commissioner and his staff and chris campbell tyrell spitzer steven gertson remarkable job i struggled to go out there and find a comparable event to what he put together from the scouting interactions with the BCHL, Western Hockey League, some AJ teams, to the college aspect of it, mm-hmm. to the mental training, the video production, the facility. I mean, that just knocks it over the top for sure uh, to be able to do it in that barn. But what a experience it was for those kids and the athletes. I struggle to find a comparable because it was so well done. He deserves a lot of credit. Yeah. And it just, you know, Going back a year, um, the winter championships were split for age groups. There was only three divisions last year. We had the 17 or the 15s and the 18s at Kinsman Arena, and then I think the 14s were actually in Blackfolds Arena. So yep, it was split were. up. And this year, it just had, even though it was in different arenas, it was in central location. And then the weekend moving to Silent Ice Center was just the cherry on top for. You know, I, my one of my favorite things was the people that didn't realize Gene Principe were part of our broadcast <laughs> and like, what is Gene Principe doing here? And then the pictures that he was taking with people and Peter Labardi is joining and Dustin Nielsen, th- these people that want to be a part of it and the comments we received from them about the production, it's, you know, For Vengeance is certainly getting on the map here thanks to a beautiful facility and this league and this is just the, the, the tip of the iceberg for the league and for us, I believe. And like you said with your interviews with Bill LaForge, the GM of Sea Island, Rob Sklarouk, the GM of Spruce Grove. The secret's getting out. Yeah, um, it's over. Seattle can't just pick and pull every player it's not from a the monopoly G- anymore. Yeah. yeah, and take Antonio Martirana, 82nd overall, and have a guy that's going to be up for the Rookie of the Year in the Western Hockey right. League. I think more teams this year whether it's the draft or just camp or listing guys, signing guys, they're going to take a lot more players out of the JPHL. And that's a good thing. At the end of the day, you want to be able to spread your development and progression across multiple leagues and multiple teams. But back to the broadcast, and I was looking forward to that day for quite mm-hmm. some time. I mean, more so sometimes in our Saints shows here, which I thoroughly enjoy uh, through and through. And just the, the amount of pre-production planning that went in <laughs> with all the visuals for the intermissions, the wiring, the schematics of where we're going to put things and do things and the hours spent setting it up. Yeah, just for it to all come together and go off relatively without a hitch. Nothing that the average person would see. A couple things maybe that we would. As perfectionists. Yeah, but at the end of the day, just what a job by you and and the staff we have here at Four Vengeance to get that done. Caden Cronenwood working the camera here was graphics extraordinaire. 
uh, on Sunday with lower thirds, visuals, scoring mm -hmm. data. Um, the first time ever we've been able to font players after they score yeah. during a penalty or during an interview. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. So, and hey, you know what? We don't stop here. We're going to keep elevating and keep going as time goes along. And there's already things that we're planning to do for the championships in March. Maybe a video review pilot project, maybe another camera underneath the video board, perhaps. So lots of things doing well, but... In the words of uh, Peter Labardius, who was there, yes. uh, I'll tell you, Harry, why wouldn't we do it? Because yeah. it was exquisite. It was extraordinary. It was just uh, a very prideful moment, I think, for ourselves, but not only for Four Vengeance. I mean, the league looks at that. There's so much pride involved. The building looks at that and says, oh, my goodness, look what we could do f with this break. Yeah. But more importantly, I think, was the moment with Lily LaKelt and Jean Principe. Mm -hmm. And... Not that I had tears, per se, behind the production suite, but it was close. And for Gene to ask Lily why you wear 22, and yes, it may be Haley Wickenheiser to a certain extent, but it's Dan LeKelt. Yep. And the number that he wore with the Stony Plain Eagles, and that's the biggest reason why we're here, is the Stony Plain Eagles, if you can believe it or not, six or seven years ago when they took over full ownership of the team. And just for her to say, you know, he's my inspiration, he's why I'm here, he coached sure. me. And for Gene to be the one doing that interview, I think just kind of brought everything full circle for us. It was incredible. Lily wears 22, Owen Wells wears 38 because uh, of Lindsay. Father, yep. Lindsay. So terrific tribute. You can tell how close uh, those families are, and they just love hockey, which is why we get to do what we get to do. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great Christmas holiday season. We'll be back here on the 30th, and then we'll get Game Changers back uh, in the new year one more time. We'll take a little bit of a break uh, over the uh, holiday season, but it's been so much fun. Enjoy it. Get some rest. It's been a grind, and we'll get back at it in 24. Yeah, 65 games this <laughs> week, 57 in the JPHL, 5 in the HSL, Whoa. and 3 for the Spruce Grove Saints. Congratulations to you as well on all the success so far. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and I love it. Let's keep going. The JPHL also on its holiday break now. Uh, things will return in 2024, January 4th to 7th. Full showcase. Planet Ice, Delta BC, and of course, everything uh, from the JPHL to the HSL uh, to much more on silenicetv.com, the home of the JPHL and the HSL's Challenge Cup and more. You can find out uh, all information. And you know what? If you want to catch up on this show, you can certainly do that there as well. All episodes of Game Changers on silenicetv.com. And of course, if you're listening, uh, you can get it wherever you want in whatever podcast network you choose. Big thanks to Brad Lazarowicz for joining me. We will definitely be getting Brad uh, back on the show uh, to discuss the future of hockey in 2024. And big things coming from Four Vengeance Media and our president, Brandon Iwancheshin. Uh, really excited. It's been so much fun. As I mentioned, December 22nd will be six months since I've joined this company. The busiest six months I've ever had, uh, but the most enjoyable. Uh, six months of work I have ever had. And it doesn't even seem like work when I get to hang out at a rink all day. Thank you so much uh, for joining me on the show this week and every week. Have yourself a very Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Festivus for the rest of us. Whatever it is you're celebrating, please be safe and enjoyable. Spend time with the people that you love and really be grateful for what you have. 
This is Game Changers, home of hockey on SilentIceTV.com. I'll see you in a rink in 2024. And remember, it's always a great time to double pad stack. See you later. Hey, everybody, and uh, welcome uh, to Silent Ice Center. Let's call it uh, Super Sunday, and it's got nothing to do with uh, football, but lots to do with hockey, as uh, we'll be at the Hatch Company Arena getting uh, set for uh, action this afternoon. Uh, what a day it is. In fact, uh, if, you, if you don't mind, I'm going to try and sneak in a little bit of breakfast here uh, while we're getting set, because it is Sunday morning. It's like uh, 9.30 in the morning, depending on where you're watching, and we're just getting set for what's going to be an unbelievable uh, day. I've been just uh, kind of pouring over uh, the information. Whoa, that's a, that's a little heavy on the syrup to get the day started. U14, U15, U17, and U18 championships. And let's start with, uh, well, I'm not going to call them little kids, but the, the youngest kids involved in what's going to be uh, four finals today. So a look at how things went throughout the round robin as things got kicked off on Wednesday and uh, you look at the two teams that were undefeated uh, throughout the few days of action and uh, so it's no surprise that those two teams are now in the final getting set to match up in the next few minutes and uh, this I'm not baking this up this is important things that are going on for these kids today. Hey, would they get up this early on a Sunday morning if it wasn't hockey that we're involved in? And let's start with uh, Lloyd Minster. And if you're trying to stop Lloyd Minster, chances are you have to have a look at these three young gentlemen because uh, from left to right, right to left, these three have made things go for the athletics. Uh, Cale Scott, Trip Fisher, and Joshua Fraser. Uh, those three between them have accumulated 12 plus, go ahead young man, plus 11, plus 11 points. You do the math, that's a lot. Even on a Sunday morning, you have to understand that that is something that's going to be key to Lloyd Minster's success. So if you're HC Edmonton, you got a big decision. You, you can't waffle because you got two goalies that you've used throughout this uh, event. <laughs> the kids are excited here on a Sunday morning and you've got to make a big decision. So. Both of these netminders have uh, had some action. Jace, Chase Couturier and Andy McCallum. And uh, well, yeah, one of them is going to get the tap and we'll find out exactly who that is. Let's keep the suspense building as we get set for this matchup to kick off what's going to be an unbelievable day. Uh, we'll be full here getting set for HC Edmonton versus uh, Lloydminster. We've got a professional broadcast crew that will be taking you through the entire day. Let's kick things upstairs and uh, join for a first time, Dean Millard. 